0: This is Chthonia, the world of the dark feminine. Hello and welcome to Chthonia, the podcast dealing with the dark feminine. I'm your host, Breach Burke. This week we're going to talk about, we've been speaking about uh, voodoo um, loas, okay, or the uh, intermediary spirits between the creator and the the human world and we've also been talking about the Yoruba religion and the idea of the orishas which we see and and there is some crossover there between um, these deities and then the deities that you see uh, in voodoo and then in um, in other you know in in these sort of uh, Afro-Caribbean-Brazilian kinds of religions you see this. Um, you, you see this idea of the the, the orisha or the uh, the loa who are these these intermediary spirits between, um, you know that, that that function. Even though technically these the belief systems are quote unquote monotheistic in a lot of cases because there is a sort of distant creator figure um, that doesn't doesn't isn't on the earth doesn't really deal with humans but has these other spirits to act sort of as an as an intermediary in this sort of combination of you know, older pagan ways of, uh, of, of practicing religion and what we think of now as more modern ethics, doctrine-based ways of uh, dealing with religion. Though most of these religious systems are also, they're less about doctrine and they're more about um, the, you know, experience, about experiencing the god, about being possessed by the god. Um, and having and, and having experiences of, of dancing and doing ritual. It, it's about putting these things into action, not about writing long scriptures and having long theological treatises and things like that. It's definitely more of a, an experienced religion and not one that's intellectualized in any way. So as part of our series, I'm going to talk about two of the Orishas. Uh, this week we're going to talk about, uh, next week I'm going to talk about Urzuli. Uh, this week we're going to talk about Oya. And Oya is the Yoruban goddess, or uh, Orisha, of weather, especially tornadoes, Afri- uh, lightning, destructive rainstorms, fire, fire, female leadership, persuasive charm, and transformation. So, and she's considered to be one of the most powerful deities in the uh, Brazilian Macumba uh, traditions, as we had mentioned in Previous podcast Makumba is these religions. That, of course, that that term was often used derisively um, to desert to know, um, to denote Umbanda and Kimbanda as these sort of uh, you know quote unquote superstitious religions. Um, but nonetheless, these uh, you, know, uh, you know you know um, Umbanda tends to not identify as Makumba, although um, Kimbanda um, does. Nonetheless, we 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 have the idea that this you know we're seeing the connections here between um, these religious systems and then the African uh, Yoruba beliefs and uh, how these deities uh, interact with each other and even um, how they may be related to each other or have some of the same attributes as uh, deities that we're going to see or um, loas that we see in the in the Voodoo tradition and I'm going to talk about that. Okay, with Oya, uh, she's somebody, when, uh, when women find themselves in these hard-to-resolve conflicts, she's the one to call on for protection. Her favorite color is that burgundy color that's associated with wine, and uh, she exhibits nine whirlwinds, as nine is her sacred number, and allegedly she has nine children. Now, in one version, she's, all her children were stillborn and that she was considered to be barren. However, in another version, all of those, she is considered to be the goddess of the Niger River, and, so, and also, but in the Brazilian tradition of the Amazon River. And these nine children that she has in African tradition are supposed to be the tributaries of the Niger River, the nine, nine different ones. Okay. Her sacred animal is a, a water buffalo. Um, and we'll talk about the sort of you know, symbolism of that and where, where we also see that to, um, to appear in other places. Um, now her one thing we, I think we want to talk about the several things regarding Oya that I think are important to, to discuss. And the first is the idea of her marriage to Shango. Okay. It's Shango. She's uh, he is considered to be, now again, he's an Orisha, but he has many of the attributes that you see of these lightning and thunder gods like Indra, for example, or Zeus or Jupiter or Luke in the Celtic. Um, he is, he is a storm God hit the lightning bolt is his weapon and Oya as his, um, as his wife. Now, uh, Chango has three wives. Okay. Uh, Oba, um, Oshun and Oya. And <clears throat> it is said that Oya is the, his favorite out of the three wives. Um, and she is, uh, so since as the, as this, um, uh, orisha associated with the wind and with storm it's usually said that she always precedes chango when he is out going out to um to uh battle with his lightning bolt or to bring a storm because obviously as the winds whip up you know that the um the chango with his thunderbolt cannot be far behind um now there's a couple of different stories that i want to relate um so i'm going to talk about those um and also in addition to that her comparisons to um the other Voodoo uh, loas, and also I wanted to talk a little bit about her association with the water buffalo, because um, there are there's also a separate story associated with that. So um, so let's start there. Let's start with uh, with Shango and her marriage to Shango. Now supposedly she, as I said, she is the most favored of his three wives, and the stories that I have read uh, seem to indicate that. Um, Oya appears in some ways; she's very um, primeval. I, I, I find myself thinking of, um, say, Matangi, for example, in the um, uh, the maha, among the uh, Hindu Mahavidyas. Uh, lives, dwell, you know, dwells in the forest, um, as Shango eventually does. He, he, you know, he eventually um, removes himself from society and, and lives in the forest. But there's a sense that she is very, um, that she's very rough. Again, her animal is the water buffalo. And sometimes she is said to have, you know, the attributes that her, her hair is, you know, curled like buffalo horns and, and, and such things. And the story is, uh, let me see if I have a uh, copy of the story here. I want to, um, to read it to you. Um, oh, well, before, I go, before I move on to that, I'm just going to mention that her, um, some of her attributes are the sword and the machete and the fly whisk, Okay. The machete is used as a symbol um, of cutting down dead wood. So she is a goddess who is associated with, um, or I should say an Orisha, I keep saying goddess, but she is associated with, um, you know, clearing away the dead, making um, making room. And she is also uh, considered to be kind of a psychopomp, a one who guides the new those who are newly dead to their next destination. And the fly whisk, of course, it's not hard to see where that association comes from the fly whisk is a it's like on a like usually horse hair or something on a handle that one uses to literally to to swap flies with and sometimes people use it to fan themselves but it looks like a big bunch of hair on the end of a of a stick um so be given her association with winds and and with you know this this sort of um violent wind energy that's not um not too hard to see what the associations might be there um Okay, yeah. She's the guardian of the realm between life and death. Um, And she is also not only the goddess of uh, spirit communication, funerals, and cemeteries, but also of clairvoyance, psychic abilities, intuition, and rebirth. Okay. And she is also associated with witchcraft. So we see all of this. She's both loved and feared for good reason. Unleashed Oya is the savage warrior, the protective mother, she whose power sweeps all injustice, deceit, and dishonesty from her path. She destroys villages if the need is true enough For while she understands everything, she will only accept, act upon, and speak the truth, even when it's hard to bear. Wow. Okay. She's, um, that is an attribute that I've not really gotten into of these um, dark goddesses, is that they always deal well with clarity. When we talk about clarity, what we mean is seeing things for what they really are. Uh, And it is a truth. And And truth is often especially now for some reason, truth is something that's very hard for people to accept. Um, There's a lot of people who seem to feel today that truth is, quote-unquote, your opinion. But um, that may only be true in some senses, in the sense of, for example, um, what system, symbols, or tales might work for you um, in terms of religion, in terms of um, mythical things that you might believe. Um, But unfortunately, there's been a tendency to try to extend this to... uh, (laughs) To things that are factual as well, you know. You know, it's not. You know, I say the sky is blue. Well, my, that's your opinion. I, my opinion, the sky is not blue. Well, you know, um, yeah. There's, there's just certain things. Or two plus two is four. Well, maybe I don't want to believe two plus two is four. You know, that's your opinion. You should have an open mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You see where I'm going with that, but um, I don't want to digress too much into that. But my point is. That um, oftentimes, you know, perhaps not at, uh, at that extreme of a level, but we do often deceive ourselves about things. And the Dark Mothers um, often, sometimes, sometimes very violently and savagely, will rip away any illusions that you have. Um, but, as my ex-mother-in-law used to say, it's good for you. You know, you're, it's, <laughs> it's meant to be good for you. Um, and to, to bring you, put you in the right path because you may have been, you know, walking along blindly down, you know, in an avenue that you it's not good for you okay she's also the protectress of women patron of feminine leadership okay um she's passionate fearless sensual and independent What sounds uh, again here we go very um very much part of that um list of qualities that we see in the dark mothers okay so um okay what i'm trying to find here is this uh, shango story um which i know i have here okay Okay um, okay, so here's one story of her and and Shango that I have uh, that I've read. Um, so um, she says supposedly that the two of them, Shango and Oya, were having a fight and she charged at him with her mighty horns. But Shango appeased her by placing a big dish of akata, which are bean cakes in front of her. Pleased by the offering of her favorite food, Oya made peace with Shango and gave him her two horns. When he was in need, he had only to beat these horns one against the other, and she would come to his aid. Now, the other story that I read, I don't want to read the whole thing. Um, i re- This is a book by Judith Gleason, Orisha, The Gods of Yoruba Land. There's a story that's told, and I'm going to paraphrase it rather than read it the way she writes it, um, where uh, a woman goes to a marketplace, and she has paid for a certain quantity of wine, and she drinks the wine down, but then she throws the glass at the door, you know, the, the man who sold her the wine and said, uh, this has been watered down, you insult me. And so she left and the man follows her. Now, as it turns out, the man is Shango and she is Oya and she goes into the forest to change into her guise. Now he refers to her as a beautiful antelope and she says, you know, don't taunt me. Really the implication is that she is putting on her, um, her guise as a, as a buffalo. Okay. Um, but you know they, they have this, this this conversation and um, you know she's sort of trying to seduce him and then he says, "Oh let, no, don't be silly. you know you're my wife. Let's go back. And uh, so she goes, she goes back and she has he's, there's three wives, they each have their own residence. Okay? And Oya, when she comes back, the other two wives are none too pleased to see her because they find they feel that keeping Shango's attention is difficult enough. And now with uh, with her there, um, you know, there's you know there, this this incites a lot of jealousy so um ocean finally uh gets very um she gets very mad uh and she goes to um oya and, and, and basically is basically picking on her for how she looks you know because she's very rough you know she doesn't go she her hair's wild you know she doesn't she doesn't do anything to beautify herself okay she's very very natural and so Oshun says to her, you know, what is it with you? Why 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 does he pay attention to you? You don't do anything to um, you know, to beautify yourself. You don't do anything to um, you know, you you know, you know, why why don't you do anything to be pleasing? Why does, you know, you 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 know another, basically, you know, you look filthy and you look disgusting. Um, why you know, why is he so attracted to you and not to us? And of course Oya turns on her and says, Well, she says, um, you know, um, I'm the one who's uh, keeping the house. I'm the one that's watching after your children. Um, how exactly does she say it here? I have it in the thing. She says, "I'm too busy taking care of things around here, your children included. You spend so much time bathing yourself and grooming your skin that run around covered with they run around covered with dust, or would if I didn't see to them. Their bottoms unclothed, their noses never a failing sources of drivel. When it's time to nurse the twins, it is I who pace up and down, soothing their cries. It's my feet the dogs lick." while you were sitting somewhere in the shade, letting a friend converse with your intricate scalp. So she basically says, you know, yes, I'm actually doing the work of a wife while you're just sitting around, you know, powdering your nose, basically, is kind of the idea. So, um, it's, so it's, so, you know, so, so there's this idea, so you get this idea that she is definitely more practical, more earthy, and she is not as interested in uh, being delicate or, you know, what we think of as delicately feminine. She, she definitely does not have those attributes. So the two of them get into this big argument. And then uh, Shango hears it and uh, he comes over and she, you know, uh, basically Ocean threatens to take her, um, her, skin, her animal skin and to, to rip it into a million pieces so that she can be just like the rest of them, as she said, not special. And she said to her well you know go ahead and rip it apart that's just merely a shadow you know you you can't you, you can't conquer me and shango then comes in and says yes but i can i can tear up i could destroy both of you so both women the women to both scatter both back to their village you know their um their home villages when they're threatened by shango um and it said that what oya does is she goes to ishu whom we talked about as um you know the husband of pambagira and ishu of course is the trickster god So she goes to him, and then when um, Shango pursues her and throws his uh, thunderbolt, uh, Ishu catches it, throws it back at him, and hits him right in the forehead. So this is the first time Shango's been defeated, and he decides, probably not a good idea to get on the bad side of Ishu. So he makes peace with him. And Oya, of course, returns home and ends up becoming his favorite wife. Um, When the other... um, when Ocean finally does return home, you know, as they say, she's laid down with brass ornaments, um, He see they see that Osha, Oya is now his, his favorite. So, um, yeah, so there's this, uh, she, she is definitely, um, she's definitely very powerful in her own right. She is very practical. She is, you know, she's, she's action oriented. Okay, she's very, you know, she's like the, um, what you would think of as the princess of discs or the queen of pentacles in, in the tarot. She's got this, um, this practical quality. As she said, she's the one taking care of the children. She's the one who's actually doing the work of nurturing, not just walking around like looking at herself in a mirror. So, uh, so she's rather critical of that and of, the, and of the women who criticize her because she doesn't walk around and do those things. Um, now, there is another story um, that I'm going to talk about, uh, about another marriage of Oya. Um, but I want to I wanna save that for, for the moment. I'm going to first, next thing I want to talk about is the comparison to the goddess Brij, okay? Now, obviously, Maman Brigitte was the first um, uh, voodoo uh, loa that we had spoken about uh, at the beginning of the year. And uh, Maman Brigitte, of course, as we have said, is based on St. Brigid or St. Brij, and also the Celtic goddess Brij as well. Um, and it is said that Oya is also associated with Brij. And in particular, she's associated with um, with a particular saint, um, Virgin Mary as Our Lady of La Candelaria. Okay, and I want to tell you just very briefly about the attributes of the Virgin of Candelaria. Um, she is uh, okay. She is the version of the Virgin Mary who is honored in the Canary Islands. Okay, and she is depicted as a black Madonna. Um, which isn't, again, we, we did a pod, I did a podcast with uh, Ellen Jones last year on um, Black Madonnas as we see them in Europe, but this is a Black Madonna that we see um, in the islands. And uh, so, you know, you can go back and listen to that podcast to talk about uh, Black Madonna um, as, the, as representing, again, this very um, ancient, earthy kind of energy. Um, and she is, and of course the Virgin of Candelaria is worshipped on February 2nd. Well, I shouldn't say worshipped, but she's, her feast day is February 2nd, St. Regis' Day. Okay, it's the same thing. And um, she's, uh, so again, her her appearance has to do with like a, a miraculous statue and so forth. And I'm not going to get into all of that because I don't think it's um, it's relevant here but um but here we have so again we have this deity who has all these attributes now what makes her like maman brigitte is her connection in particular to the dead um as it says here oya is an orisha a very fiery demeanor okay there's your fire all right and has this far-flung connection with celtic grige or bridget both in her voodoo counterpart maman brigitte and her association with um our lady of candelaria um and Yes, so she is, uh, in, in that, that what, it, what it notes is that she is a guardian of graveyards, okay, so Oya also guards the dead, and she also, as I mentioned, brings the um, those who are newly dead, she aids them in their journey, and we, as we can see from the story, that she is someone who has, um, in spite of her, perhaps what you might think of as a rough exterior, she's actually quite motherly and quite protective, um, so and she will um and she will quarrel and raise her voice and she will not take being insulted or put down or anything um and she will even challenge her own husband um you know she will you know there's not a um you know she she definitely has has those quality those very forthright qualities that we might associate also in in tarot and in things like that with the fiery fire element okay um there's that intensity there's that 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 movement there's the violence of movement okay so she's air and fire really and um air fight well and, and earth i mean we see that we see that as well and water because of her connection to the rivers so in a way she is sort of this um this this very very um sort of primordial elemental deity that that um fits into all of these different categories um, and, and it's interesting that a goddess of, or a, a, Orisha of having to do with the waters, um, actually ends up having this kind of association with fire. So, um, Dark Mothers are very, very complicated. It's hard, hard to say, um, what, what they are, you know, if they're one thing or another. Okay. So I've mentioned that about, um, Mama Brigitte, um, and the connection to Oya. Um... I know I have another another note here. Um, okay, queen of the marketplace, she's a shrewd businesswoman and adept with horses, which is interesting. As the wind, she's the first breath and the last, the one who carries spirits of the dead to the other world, and that's why she's associated with cemeteries. Okay, so this is another version of that. I'm just going through my notes here. Um, and uh, she is often called upon by women to settle disputes in their favor. Okay, um, <clears> okay. <throat> okay uh, okay I just don't want to go I don't want I don't want to be repetitive of things that I've uh, that I've already covered um, and I just want to see if there's anything else that I wanted to discuss um, beyond what I had mentioned some people there's some people here who try to connect Oya with um, the constellation of Virgo and they were trying to equate uh, Shango with um, with Heracles but I, I think Shang, again I think Shango's more. Um, in line with deities like Zeus or Jehovah or, Yehovah or uh, Indra or Lug, who are who are these lightning deities. Um, okay. so okay, I don't see anything else that I had wanted to discuss from from that angle. Um, just making you know just making sure before I move on to the next um, next thing that I want to talk about, Yes. Um, so the other the other one was the story of the buffalo. Her her association with the water buffalo, and the story of the buffalo skin. Um, now there's another um, myth. Okay, there's another story. Um, and I actually have this over here. Okay, this is from an article by um, Ajabade George Olusola um, um, from the um, from a folklore, uh, folklore site. He talks about um, the, he's talking about animal symbolism in this article, and he is, so he talks about a woman who is a, um, here, I'll, I'll read this to you directly from him. According to the myth, a hunter went into the bush to hunt, and as he was laying an ambush for animals on a tree, he saw a buffalo next to a termite's nest. As he was getting ready to shoot the buffalo, he saw the buffalo turned into a beautiful woman who put clothes on and hid his skin inside the termite's nest. The hunter was astonished and could not do anything until the animal woman left the spot. Um, Later on, the hunter came down from the tree, took the skin from the termite nest, and climbed up the same tree uh, to lay, lay an ambush again. Later on, the animal woman came and wanted to take the skin so she could transform into a buffalo again, but the skin was gone. She searched for it, and all her efforts were in vain. Then the hunter came down and approached the animal woman and asked what she was searching for. The woman answered, and the hunter told her he would show her where the skin was only if the woman consented to become his wife. The woman agreed to the proposal after a long persuasion that her secret would not be revealed to anybody. This was how they entered into marriage. When the hunter returned home, she introduced the new, he introduced the new wife to the former housewife without um, revealing the secret of the new wife. They went on with their lives, and the wife had three children with the hunter. Over the years, the senior wife became curious as to the identity of the strange wife, But the husband refused to reveal it until one day which he was enticed with delicacies by the senior wife and told her the secret and where he kept her buffalo skin she was warned by the husband not to divulge the information to anyone or he risked dying this is how they continued their life one day the hunter went to the farm with one of his children with the animal woman and the rest of them stayed home with their mother and with the senior wife and her children there was a quarrel between the two wives and the senior wife then used the secret of the skin to abuse the junior wife um, she said, and I'm not going to try to repeat the, um, the African, um, you know, the, um, I, I, I'm not sure if this is Nigerian, but I'm not going to try to uh, repeat that. It translates to, eat and drink, your skin is inside the barn. The junior wife was surprised to hear this and greatly disturbed her. She felt that almost everybody in the village must have known her secret. The abuse revealed to her where the hunter kept the skin. She took it and turned into a buffalo again, and so did her children and they headed towards the farm where the hunter had gone with the other child. By the time the strange buffaloes arrived at the farm, the hunter already knew there was a problem. He armed himself and the child and prepared for the battle. The buffalo, his wife who had turned into an animal, reminded the hunter of their bond and that the bond was broken by the hunter. The latter asked for forgiveness, but it was all in vain. They started to fight in the end. When the father was killed by the mysterious buffalo, the child ran home. The boy was running away. He was told by the buffalo that he and his generation must continue to worship the buffalo. The buffalo went into the bush and left one horn on the ground for the boy as the idol to be worshipped. The boy was unable to turn into a buffalo because of the medicine that the hunter used on him. This is how the worship of Oya started among the Aruba and is still conducted to this day. Okay, so we see this story of the, um, of the buffalo. And one of the things, um, okay, now this is, this is a type of folk tale About um, the animal slash woman who has a a skin that she takes that she so her her transformative power she can put this skin on and become the animal and take it off, and we see this this is this is also um, strikingly like the mythology or the folklore that surrounds the selkie, which is a type of uh, fairy like creature that turns into a seal. Okay, it's a it's a seal woman basically, and we see legends of the selkie. Um, in Scotland and in parts of Ireland, um, it, you know, we, you know, there's, um, and up in the Shetlands as well, there's definitely this idea of the, there, there's also an actual story um, of a, uh, of a seal, of a, woman, of a man who sees a beautiful woman um, who takes her seal skin off and he, he does the same thing. He hides her seal skin and when she comes to look for it, basically in that, in that animal skin lies the power and the independence and the sovereignty of the female figure so as soon as she takes that off um then she it's sort of like she loses her sovereignty and in a way it's almost like creating a vulnerability there um you know it's the idea that one's animal nature is what makes one quote-unquote ferocious and it make and it also makes me kind of think about um some of the again when we talk about the the dark feminine and we talk about the qualities of the dark feminine we often, we often have a lot of animal comparisons, for example, like the idea of the mother bear who protects their children. Um, there's this idea of the um, monstrous female um, who might be represented as a dragon or a serpent, for instance. Um, now, and of course a buffalo is also an extremely powerful and dangerous animal, uh, especially if it charges at you. And so the idea is that this is this animal essence is the essence of the feminine um power okay that it's this 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 primal um and of course when you talk about the animals we're talking about the powers of nature we're talking about the powers of the earth okay so i find that to be um now when i read this story and i think about that and then i think about the selkie story i find myself saying okay well it kind of makes sense in a doctrine-laden, ethics-laden religion that is also humanistic and raises human beings up by virtue of their reason and their rationality, okay? So I'm reasonable and I'm rational, um, and this sets me above the animals, like that your animal nature is your lower nature. So the fact that you see these very powerful women with these very strong and ferocious animalistic associations there's this idea that it's the animalistic quality that needs to be tamed and i feel like that kind of could be it's almost another piece of the puzzle as to why people are so frightened of the feminine because it again it represents this this terrifying energy this very ferocious energy um of the animal although as you see in these stories the animals are not without their intelligence you know, it's not like, oh, the humans are intelligent and the animals are just, you know, mindless. Um, you see that they also have a spirit and an intelligence. But in Western religion, religious thought, that was only sort of derided as, quote-unquote, animism. And, uh, oh, yeah, they believed all the, the um, animals and the trees had, um, had spirits in them. Ha-ha, isn't that silly? Well, <laughs> you know, it, but it, it also is that part of that justification that you see um, in biblical thinking, that uh quote-unquote you know god quote-unquote set man over the you know over creation and it's it's a stance that science adopts as well which is why i say that in that respect science and religion are both two sides of the same coin they follow the same myth that our technology and our rationality and our reason are what is going to um you know uh, you know make us we're going to outsmart the world we're going to dominate it and um And, you know, by, by associate, you know, by these kinds of associations with these powers of women that make women very independent and sovereign, if they're if they're kind of viewed in this uh, sort of animalistic way, there's this idea of, yes, you take away her animal skin, you take away her animal nature, and now she becomes a docile wife. Hmm, something very interesting to think about. Um, but Oya, of course, in this one, she, you know, she ends up leaving this husband and, um, later on, you know, how this connects in with the myth of, Ch- of Shango, um, is not really, uh, the connection there is not particularly discussed, but we definitely see her here as a, as a kind of buffalo deity, um, and, you know, and whether this was an earlier myth or a later myth, I don't have the, uh, the any kind of chronology on that one may not even exist, but you have, um, you know, it's um, but but it occurs to me that that uh, that that really gives me gives pause because you know to sit here and think about hmm what do we what do we mean here when we we talk about um, the woman taking off her animal skin um, nonetheless we we Oya's um, associations we as we see here have to do with um, with the wind and with storms uh, there are other there are other deities that have a similar association like um uh, i think i'm going to say her name right uh, guabana guabanakesh i think is how you say it um she is uh, a bringer of hurricanes um in the um puerto rican um uh, what do they call them the taino is that the way they say it i don't have my notes in front of me on that but the taino um people um, of puerto rico had this goddess and um you know and certainly in in those areas certainly in the caribbean areas these um powerful uh figures who are goddesses of of water and bringers of storms and ferocious winds uh it it, you know there there's there's still good reason there for those to be appeased um I, i often think about um religions like wicca where people are trying to recreate some kind of religion that connects to the natural world but to do it in such a way as though we're dependent on the agricultural cycle in the same way that our ancestors were. I mean, unless you're living in, like, a remote village somewhere and growing all your own food, it does seem kind of bizarre. Um, but with deities like this, I mean, it's very easy to see why you would still want to make a pact or make an arrangement, you know, because these forces can wipe you out, and that is part of what Oya does. She is that 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 ferocious wind that like rips the wind, uh, you know, rips the roof off your house, and you know. Um, you know, followed by the thunderstorm and probably also by the rains. So between her and Shango, they are, they are big storm bringers. So they are not deities to be, um, to be dealt with, uh, you know, they're, they're deities to be treated with great respect. And actually in all the religions we had mentioned, um, in that sort of Afro-Brazilian tradition, like Umbanda, Kimbanda, and, um, um, the, am I going to say it properly? Um, it's the, it's the one that begins with a C. Um, I want to say cambole, but I don't remember if I'm saying, if I'm missing a, um, what you call it? Uh, what is it? Uh, candombole. Sorry. I knew I, was, I knew I was missing a syllable somewhere. Candombole. Okay. Um, yeah, and in the Candombole tradition, they say she's a warrior. She's unbeatable. Um, she's referred to as, let me see if I'm saying this right, iansa. Um, includes a great intensity of feeling, sensation, and charm and control over the mysteries of the dead. Um, and syncretized with Saint Barbara. That's rather interesting too. So in, in Candomblé, she's associated with Saint Barbara. In the other, she's associated with um, this uh, Virgin of Candelaria. So, um, you know, so, she's, so she, she, ha, she is this presence. She is this very um, powerful orisha. And her influence does uh, extend throughout um, the different uh, Afro-Brazilian religions. And as you can see, she has her parallels with uh, Maman Brigitte in um, in Haitian Voodoo. Um, so, yeah, we have this, uh, you know, very liminal deity. Her liminality is probably the last thing I think I'll, I'll mention here. And that is that she is, you know, she, she okay, she's got her machete. So this, as we said, she cuts away old wood and makes way for the new. So you, again, you have this idea and then she's the one who, you know, acts as a psychopomp. She helps the newly dead get to their next destination. So she's she's like a gatekeeper, helping people cross. She's a guardian of cemeteries. And, um, and she brings very sudden and violent change, which in a way makes her very similar to some other deities you might not think of as liminal, like Artemis and Apollo in the Greek. Um, because they also, you know, as much as they had to do, um, you know, they, they actually, they had to do with sudden and violent death and plagues, and um, in Artemis's case, with the passage of women from um, girlhood to to um, you know actual womanhood and the ability to you know monarch and being able to bear children and so forth, so she so she definitely has this kind of liminal quality. It's also worth mentioning, I think, that the water buffalo, um, even though there's no obvious connection between um, Hindu religion and the African religions, um, it is rather interesting that. Uh, the water buffalo is associated in Hinduism. Actually, it's considered to be an evil animal because, as we said, the Mahisashura, the great demon, is in the form of a buffalo, a charging buffalo, and um, the the mount of, um, of which is it, is it? Is it it's Varahi? Varahi. Uh, she is, and she is considered to be the spouse of Yama, the lord of the dead, and his animal and his mount, or um, is considered to be a buffalo. Okay. So the buffalo has this um, very, it already has an association with death um, in certain cultures, and it also, there's this, there's this definite sense of danger and ferociousness that, that needs to be respected. Um, and certainly Native Americans have, have their own traditions of, of buffalo, which um, I won't get into here since this isn't particularly a podcast on buffaloes, but more on this asso- you know this association of oyas because you know you, you see these two aspects of her. Um, you see her as this um, powerful mother who's who does her motherly duty and fights with these women who are, you know, just interested in making themselves up and and so forth and, and not doing the work. Um, but she still ends up being the favorite of Shango uh, sexually as well because there's that again there's that that earthiness that that sexiness that is not necessarily I mean there's I suppose there's an attractiveness associated with the the sort of waif like pretty you know women i mean obviously men are can be very attracted to that but then there's this also this more earthy and more sensual deity that we see in oya um and she so she represents that and you know this um this 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 very fiercely independent womanhood which they in, in this particular mythology becomes associated with the buffalo and when her skin is taken away you know again there's that symbolism of um stripping and making you vulnerable by By either taming or you know or or actually perhaps even a woman on her own hiding her own animalistic nature um which i think a lot of women are encouraged to do because the idea is that you know you you have to be nice you know you have to keep things you know that's your that's your job you know you just got to be nice um and you know some of us don't do as well at that so anyway um that's what i think i have to say about oya for this week um, I want to thank you again for listening. If you're interested in these podcasts um, and you're interested in some of the other work I'm doing, please check out kathonia.net. If you're interested in contributing to my work, uh, patreon.com/kathonia. Um, it's uh, there's I, I occasionally get complaints about certain things, um, maybe the quality of certain things or uh, certain things that don't get edited certain ways and so forth. A lot of this is because I've I'm, I work I run this podcast on very limited equipment and very limited uh, funds, so. You know, if uh, so, if one of your complaints is that you think some of these things should be better produced or should be better, um, well, you know, like I said, if I have more money to run it, then um, I can, you know, invest in that. But in the meantime, I'm I'm still doing this as kind of a bare bones operation. So, um, you know, so, you know, just saying that. But um, yeah, but there's patreon.com slash cathonia. I want to thank the people who already contribute and, you know, and new contributors who I've um, had, you know, towards the end of 2020 and perhaps the beginning of this year and um also if you're interested in you know in the very practical side of my work uh there's also liminalreiki.com where i work with people in transition on um helping them kind of find their way in the dark as it will and and working on rebalancing which is why there's a focus on tarot astrology and reiki um those are at least, are some of the tools that I use to help people. Um, you know, again, this is not about me curing anybody, but just about people helping people figure out, you know, where they're at and you know what their best way to stay centered before they know where to go next. Um, find me on social media: Kathonia uh, on YouTube, Kathonia podcast, uh, two words on Facebook, uh, one word on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and uh, like I said, sub- you know, subscribe. Um, you know, thank you for, I'm getting a ton of new subscribers on YouTube. It's, it's, um, I was like, wow. So I want to thank all of you very much for, um, for investing and and listening. And, uh, with that, I think I will, that will be it for this week. Um, I hope you are all enduring the winter very well, you know, with the, because this, because this will be released probably late January. So hopefully, um, you know, everything we are Hopefully we're all moving towards um, positive change in terms of COVID and everything else. And with that, I will talk to you in the next episode.